Hello and welcome back to season two of the PBWF, the Pie Bum Wrestling Federation. Happy Halloween. It's scary enough hearing my voice, but it's the fantasy booking show presented by the Pipe Bum Wrestling Podcast. They're the best. And what a season it has been. The TVs, the pay-per-views are concluded. Now it's time to give you a, a sneak preview behind the curtain and recap the complete thing. I'm your host. I'm better than all the rest. Tyler Peters. Yes, I'm putting myself over. Why not? And of course, the guys are with me. Chris Belcher representing the Warzone brand, taking you back to the Attitude Era, well, sort of. And Andy York representing the Mayhem brand. Fellas, I am just pumped up. How are we doing? I'm ready to kick this thing off. Season two in the books. It's in the books, and we are, wow. uh, it's hard to believe we're already at this point, but man, it's been a, it's been a wild journey. It's been yeah. a wild ride, but it's been a lot of fun this season. It has been so much fun. And first of all, Tyler, we appreciate you being on the ride with us. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out and kind of steering the ship. Well, in in your own way, steering the ship. <laughs> well, you, know. Right. you know, you're very welcome. Happy to do. Uh, sometimes that ship goes a lot of places. But, uh, well, hey, here. listen, as that. long as we don't hit an iceberg, we're good. All right? I don't <laughs> care. Let's not repeat uh, tragedy. That's for exactly sure. right. No, Tyler, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We appreciate all of you who are listening. Uh, we have seen a tremendous uptick in our in our listenership all the way through the season. It just continues to go up and up. Andy, I feel like it's every week that I text you like we have a most viewed, a new most viewed episode, and it's it's just it's wild. So we appreciate all you guys listening. Um, make sure you're subscribed wherever you find your podcast if you haven't done that already. Tell a friend who likes fantasy booking. That's literally all we're doing on this show. Uh, so we appreciate you guys doing that. If you're not following us on social media at PBW Podcast, make sure that you are doing that already. And Tyler. If they, this is, as we did at the end of season one, this is our recap show. This is our peek behind the curtain. This is your spoiler alert right now. <laughs> if you haven't gone back and listened to season two, we're telling you everything that happened. It's not as much fun. Please hit pause. Please go back and listen to season two before you hear this. Yeah, you got to go back and listen to what these guys came up with creatively. And, man, season two was a bland back like they did reviewing the episodes. And and you need to, too, because they are doing just some wonderful stuff. And, yeah, go hit the subscribe button to their regular program and also uh, what they're doing with this federation, the fantasy booking. It's all just uh, very fascinating. I, I'm a fan. Of my, I'm marking out over this show. Currently, uh, you can't see me, but that, that's a good thing. There you go. All right, John Cena, we can't see you. We got it. We got it. <laughs> um, before yeah. before we go any further, uh, we do need to address something that we did not address on any of the episodes. Full disclosure, um, I my family had a second child uh, during the recording of this whole season, so we crammed a whole lot of stuff <laughs> into a short amount of time. We did to make sure that it so to make sure that all the episodes were available for our listeners to make sure we got the whole season in to make sure we didn't have any gaps. We had a new episode every single week, and we were extremely successful in doing that. Yeah. Our brains were sort of fried. They were towards the end they of were. it. Yeah, yeah. But we were successful. <laughs> the point that I was going to make, though, is what we need to address is the passing of Bray Wyatt. Mm -hmm. We did not bring it up on any of our shows. We continued to just plow right through like nothing happened because 
it hadn't happened when, when we, we recorded, recorded yeah. all of our shows. So, just in case anybody happened to be offended by anything or took it personally or anything, we apologize because, again, Andy, it hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, thinking about it in in retrospect, um, it's one of the it's, – it's like – I'm trying to think of the words to use, but it's like we were paying tribute, even though we didn't know what was happening sure. at the same time. So yeah, for sure. um, he, we were not using them after this, like after season two, Yep. the last stand was the final, the last stand was his, his final appearance on the show. Yep. Um, you know, and it, it bringing all of it back. Yep. Um, I forgot that still hurts pretty bad, but yep. <laughs> uh, bringing it all back, it, it's, uh, it's you know, it was difficult, honestly, sometimes going back and listening yep. to some of the Bray stuff. So, yep. um, yeah, if we, if it did offend anybody or if it, you know, whatever, I'm, we're truly sorry. Um, you, if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know, I'm probably as big of a Bray Wyatt fan as you'll ever going to meet in your life. And uh, it, it was nothing but um, respect and honor than anything else. Yeah, Tyler. So yeah, we, we just want to go ahead and yeah address that off the top, you know, just in case, you know, it, it, it offended anybody or, again, we pre-recorded all of that. Uh, we just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. No, I'm glad you all did. And it, it was somber uh, going back listening to the episodes. But, yeah, to what these guys were relaying, it, it was done previously. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful tribute, uh, the way you guys use Bray. And, and there's no way to prepare or, or – expect for anyone to pass so uh, yep. it was good that we addressed it and uh hey may he rest in peace and i'm like andy and chris i i was sad but yet happy at the same time because the way you guys were using him and it was uh, like i said a good way to remember him so thank you for uh, clearing it up and then once we get to the season three spoiler alert draft which we've been talking <laughs> about it for a long time so shouldn't be a spoiler, really at, this a spoiler point. at this point um so in a couple of weeks months um we will let you know when that's coming um but we will address that again mm -hmm. address how we're going to move forward with that because bray wyatt was sort of an essential piece of what was happening in the draft even yeah. um so we're going to address that on the draft episode but that'll be in a couple months um but for right now tyler um let, let let's let's recap it man yeah, let's do it. I, I mean, much like uh, what you all did uh, for season one, we're going to give everyone that peek behind the curtain of what happened so, and let us know everything that happened regarding season two. So, uh, gentlemen, the first question, we know uh, how this whole thing began, but you guys have repeatedly said that you felt more comfortable, even more excited, and were able to open up more creatively. So uh, kind of discuss what the transition and all of that entailed uh, from season one to season two and how we got to this point. Well, just like anything, when you, I feel like when you do things and you experience things and you step out of your comfort zone, you figure things out and you learn things along the way. And like season two was just a natural transition to, I, I don't know about you, Andy, but for me, it was like, okay, now how can we take it a step further? How can we challenge ourselves more? What can we do differently? Yeah. So I don't think season two was as much of a challenge or a transition as much as season three will be. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I think because we still have a lot, we still had a lot of fresh ideas after season one. 
Um, and there's still a couple of fresh ideas going into season three, but the longer you do this, the harder it is to come up with something different yep. <laughs> because you're just kind of stuck in, not stuck in the same routine, but like you can only tell so many stories. Well, yeah. If you listen to you know any you know, wrestling podcast, Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, whatever, there are only a select few amount of stories that can be told in wrestling, yeah. period. And depending on the characters or the, the people that you have, you're even then still limited to... Like you're you're limited in the story that you can tell, but then based off your roster, you're still kind of even more so limited yep. to what you have, um, which is challenging. But at the same time, that's part of like building up new people and like building up new stars, making some people you didn't think would feel important as important as they did at the end because you had to fill some spots and things yep. like that. But I think the answer to that question is I feel like that. Tyler, that Andy and I just answered sort of in a negative way, but it wasn't, it's not, it's certainly not a negative thing. No, it's no, no, it's no. so positive because the, the transition from season one to season two was super easy. Yeah. Like we were just ready to go. If you listen to season one and our recap show in season one, there were so many ideas already for season two. We were just ready to get there. By the, by the last month of season one, my brain was already in season two. Yep. For sure. Because, like, not that my roster had run its course, but we had already talked about some some things. And, uh, like, for instance, the uh, <clears throat> the Roman-Seth trade. Yep. We had already had planned before the final month. Yep. So that was already in my mind, and then that just brought up a whole bunch of other stuff. So it was the transition from season one to season two was easy. However, there were some challenges of, like, sure. you've got new people coming in, how do we keep the established people strong without burying or like diminishing the new people coming in at the yep. same time? Because that was a little difficult at times. And Tyler, that's one of the things that I was actually going to bring up probably at some point in this show. And I feel like it's a, probably a good time to bring it up. I don't know what other questions are, are coming later, but I feel like that the biggest challenge going into or that I found going into season two, and I can already see it coming up for season three, is I have so many ideas for season three, but it involves that small protected list yes, that does. I have. Yep. So the challenge, Tyler, is how do you incorporate the new guys, <laughs> make them feel just as important as those protected guys, yeah. and give them a big-time spot? And see, mine's sort of the same, but also not, because I have a select few of people that I'm like, I need to have these people sure. because these stories don't make sense unless I have specific people that either one were not on my roster last year. And so I have to like pick them up in the draft or two. Um, I did not protect because you can only, we can only protect five, five. people yep. in theory. Yep. And so having to pick up the right people or find like replacement people, if um, like you pick up somebody else that that's already going to be, I can see being a challenge of like, if I don't have the set roster I need to have by the first time we record, I'm going to be scrambling and trying to figure out something new for a lot of different things. But those people that you're drafting, sorry, Tyler, we'll go back to you in just a second. We're really just, <laughs> we're going down a rabbit hole. We are. Inter interject whatever you want. But, um, those people that you're drafting that you say, Oh, I have to have these people. It has to fill up my roster. Do those storylines, that involve those people also involve your protected people. 
Some do, some don't. Really? Okay. Yeah. And so, so like, like, because a, a well, lot the other of, thing is, like, a lot of the ones that I'm thinking yeah. of, the reason I said it, a lot of the ones I'm thinking of involve my protected people <laughs> yeah. in one way or another, yeah. you know? And with some of these guys, it's like, I have a story, like, month one, month two, and then it's like, what do I do with them afterwards? But I need mm-hmm. them for month one, month two. So, like, I, I feel like I'm wasting a draft spot, but at the same time, we're already in season three mode, if you can't tell. But um, <laughs> I, I'm like, I feel like sometimes I'm wasting a draft spot, but at the same time, I was like, I have. I can pick up people later, so I right. have to have these spots. But bringing it all back to season two, yes. <laughs> I did not feel this way at the beginning of season two because I right. had already stories planned out for people I protected and people that um, we had gotten in trades and all this other stuff. Yep. I already had figured out. Plus, there are just some people that I know Chris is not going to draft, and there are some people that he knows I'm just not going to draft, and so that makes some of this a little easier. That's true. So, Tyler, to answer your question about the transition (laughs) from season season one to season two, we protected ten people. From season two to season three, we're only protecting five people. So, it really, there's... (laughs) That's half. So there's lots of challenges, but Tyler, it's also super exciting, like yeah. Andy said, to infuse new blood into yeah. our roster, fresh stories, uh, and that sort of stuff. It's it's why we keep doing this, if you can't tell. I love it. I, I'm glad you all continue. That's why I didn't want to interject a lot. You actually answered one of my questions. I was going to ask you how the trades and the, the draft process, you know, influence your creative. And you already started coming up with the concepts from the previous season, season one going into season two. And and you're so correct. There's only so much you can do if you're watching wrestling on TV or go to a house show. What they're able to do on the actual promotion. So to even fantasy book from a fan's perspective gets very complex. So that was a good point. You only had five people to choose from. You're trying to protect so many people, create new storylines. And I think that's what's so appealing about your program. And I, I'm just so enthusiastic myself just hearing you guys lay it out. That's why it pretty much answered one of my first questions. So <laughs> you know, it, it was great that you went down that rabbit hole. I, I think that's good. I have no problem. To, I, I'm excited. To continue on that trade talk um, and how that influences our storylines and stuff, I think, it honestly, I can look at Andy's roster and Andy can look at my roster. For those of you who don't know, like for those of you who play fantasy sports, let's put it this way, trading a lot of, time, a lot of times is very difficult. Yes. Because in fantasy sports, you're very much competing, trying to win. Yeah. While Andy and I are competing against each other and trying to put out the best product possible, trades are a lot easier, I feel like, in a sense. In a sense, yeah. For, yeah. But there's there's still a certain three or four people that yes. we absolutely are going to hold on to. Yeah, like, I you would love I mean? to have Edge, but I've never once offered a trade for Edge because I just know I would have to give too much up to, exactly. <laughs> to go for it to get Edge. So there's a, there's a certain few people that it's probably not going to happen because yeah. those protected people, we've probably planned out six months of story for. Yeah. But everybody else really is in a state of flux because it's like, well, wait a minute. How could I, oh, I could use this person here. This is a good, let's, for specific example. Yeah. The trade that happened this year, again, Tyler, this is one of your questions later. I apologize. (laughs) The trade that, one of the big trades that happened this year was Drew McIntyre and Bailey coming over from the Mayhem brand for Nick Aldis and Claudio. Yeah. And the Warzone brand. Yeah. So. Which on paper does not sound like, it sounds like I got the short end of the stick on paper. Right. But 
Nick Aldis and Claudio played huge roles in my in my show the last three months. Right. And if you look at Bailey immediately jumped yeah. into a few with Sasha Banks yeah. and she was in major feuds to the end. And let's not forget, I drafted Nick Aldis for the specific purpose. Here we go, peek behind the curtain. <laughs> for the specific purpose of being the centerpiece yeah. for JBL Enterprises. Yeah. The center, he was the, the guy. guy. Yeah. He was getting pushed to the world title picture. Was he going to win? No. But was he getting pushed there? Yes. Yeah. He absolutely was. But when the trade came up, and you were talking like, hey, man, I, I want to build up the BCC. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, man, Nick also would be perfect for that. <laughs> Who can I get from your roster that could just slide in and fill his spot? Yeah. And Drew McIntyre literally did everything that Nick Aldis was going to do. Yeah, and like, what's crazy is from an outside perspective and knowing like who I am as a wrestling fan, knowing who you are as a wrestling fan, there are a few people that like on the outside looking in, I would think I would never trade. Sure. Um, and Drew would be on the top of that list. Kevin Owens was another one at the top of the list. Like, I will never... like. Kevin Owens is one of those guys that I, he was always going to be on Mayhem because I got lucky enough to draft him in season one. But then going into season two, like we're kind of answering the same question, but we'll, right. whatever. Right. The LA Knight spot was going to be Kevin Owens. Mm. And like once LA, once the first month was happening and so much traction was happening with LA Knight, I was like, I, it's working too well to switch it. Yep. Um, plus, I just think the, the character fit better. And then, you know, we're really picking behind the curtain. The main event of the final stand was set in stone before the end of the line yep. was done. So the shield triple threat we knew was happening before we even got season one, like at the end of before season one even ended, we knew we were doing the shield, shield triple threat at the end of season two. And so if we didn't have that, the Roman spot was going to be Kevin Owens, mm. but all of it just fit into where I hate to say it, Kevin was kind of the odd man out. Sure. But going into season three, like, I would love to have Cody again because I've got a lot of stories I want to tell with Cody. Right. So that trade, like, just fit itself perfectly. I remember season one, I was like, I jokingly offered somebody, I don't even remember who now, for AJ Styles. Uh And I was like, there's no way. And you're like, sure. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) You're trading me AJ. All right, I'll, I'll take AJ. So, like, it's just sometimes there's a perfect storm of you just have to have these certain people. And that that you never really know what you're going to get with the trade, unless you know you trade Wardlow for the New Day, which was the Lethal Lottery's fault. But we'll talk about that a little later too. <laughs> we remember now how Andy loves the Lethal Lottery. As you love can tell it by the sarcasm. Uh, no, what what you guys are presenting is the new opportunities with uh, some of these storylines and wrestlers and. I just enjoy hearing you guys convey the information. Uh, you articulate it so well. I mean, you guys obviously know each other, your tastes, and that goes into it and how you could build up factions. And But like you were saying, like Chris was saying, and, and Andy, I'm sure you can uh, comply that – that if you had a storyline that was you were well invested in, it was kind of tough to just plug somebody new into that. Yeah. You, you didn't yep. want to take away from the storyline. So – you know, this leads me to the uh, next question. I mean, and I think you guys touched on it. What was your favorite wrestler slash storyline that you produced on your show? <laughs> um, mine, hands down, was Edge. 
Edge, yeah. Edge's story from day one to the end. I said it on the season one recap. Edge was going to be the guy that I was going to make a conscious effort to book better. Yeah. And I abs- I hit every beat exactly the way I want it. But I will say this. Here's the peek behind the curtain. I said this last week on The Last Stand. There was a storyline that I wrestled with for about a week <laughs> that completely changed the the trajectory of my whole season, yep. and it was Edge and Malachi Black. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and tell you now, the peek behind the curtain is the Edge spot. I had the Malachi Black story planned from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how I was going to book Malachi because I'm not good at booking creepy things like Andy is. <laughs> but once I realized... There was going to be a devil, and there was going to be this group yep. and this, you know, this story. Obviously, he had to have a foe, and you know, my first choice was Edge. Mm-hmm. That was going to be the story. About halfway through month one, Tyler, Andy, and I started having discussions about a trade, and that trade was Doctor Brett Baker for Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. Once that trade was, okay, we're going to do this trade, but let's finish up to a certain point. Yeah. I think you wanted to keep Becky Lynch like halfway through month two. Yeah. I think it was something like that. Yeah. I was like, okay, after that, we'll make the trade. So then my wheels started turning, and I was like, well, wait a minute. Again, I knew the Malachi story. I knew I was having Beth Phoenix getting kidnapped, mm-hmm. as, as dark as that is. I knew that was happening. My uh, my thought was, maybe that's how I debut Becky Lynch. So then the story becomes Seth Rollins, oh, not wow. Edge. So then we end up with Seth Rollins versus Sting for the world title. <laughs> Bringing that back. <laughs> Sting gets his revenge by beating Rollins for the world title. Wow. Sting then goes into the last stand as the champ. world champion. Yep. And loses it to AJ. So, wow. So that's like two stories back to back. Exactly. Of, yeah. So I wrestled with that for the longest time <laughs> because I was like, that would be perfect. Yeah. Ultimately, though, I decided that I didn't want Rollins to drop the title to Sting because of the way that the Rollins Triple H dynamic was going to happen towards month six. Right. I didn't think Sting was a good person to put in there for, for that tri- spot. For that spot. Yeah. So ultimately I, I stuck with my plan. But Andy, that that's the <laughs> rabbit trail that I went down and it almost didn't happen. I, I see I see why you went down that because that's very intriguing. I personally I thought Malachi Black and Edge was like my favorite story that you were telling the entire time just because of just the complex behind it and like the the devil the mist like when there's mystery involved in the wrestling it's always fun yep um like right now who is actually the devil on AEW who's wearing MJS devil mask and all like it's sure it's fun like we probably know who it is but like there the off chance that it's somebody else yep. is always is always the intrigue so like that was that was my favorite story that you were telling my favorite story I'm torn between two so I'll, I'll say this: My favorite wrestler to book this year was La Knight. Oh, for sure! Like it was La Knight hands down because he was just so much fun. Yeah, it, I think if I have to give an MVP <laughs> for Mayhem, like he is absolutely up there. If yeah. not, my pick. Yeah, La La Knight was a lot of fun to book. 
My favorite story, though, <clears throat> was probably the Roman story yep. the entire time. Because, I mean, on paper, if you look at the opponents he faced, he a three-month stretch of facing Rock, Moxley, Austin, and then Seth and Mox again. Like four months in a row. And he had Cena in there, too. He squashed Cena month five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, five months out of the six, I, don't even, I forget who he faced month one. Um, uh, one was Mox. He beat he beat Mox night one, like the very first show of Mayhem. He, he won, beat Mox, and then he beat Okada. He beat that's Okada. Right, that's for right. This, it was Okada. Yeah. So like you're talking and about Osprey in there somewhere. Osprey was before Austin. So it, his his world title picture was he beat Oka, he beat Moxley night one. He beat Okada. He beat Cena. He beat Rock. He beat Mox Moxley again. again. He beat Osprey. He beat Austin. He beat Moxon and, and Rollins. Rollins again. So, like, those are about as good of a group of guys that you could put against your world champion for him to beat. And, like, I tried, because I have harped on it the last year and a half. Yep. I tried to do some of, like, the Roman booking that WWE does of, like, getting involved and stuff like that. But I <clears throat> going back and listening to it, like, most of, like, the big matches, like, Cena, he just flat out, Squash. Sure. He beat Rock pretty clean. He beat Austin pretty clean. He beat Moxley pretty clean. And then he stacked Rollins and Moxley. So, like, yep. my goal was to make Roman as big of a threat as possible by just having him run through everybody. And you, and you said that at the at the season one recap. Like, yep. your goal was to make more compelling world title picture stories. Yeah. And you did. You absolutely did it. Let me ask you about this one, and then, Tyler, I won't hijack your show anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I love the Roman story. I thought yep. it was fantastic. But one that I really loved that I don't, I, I'm sure it was intentional, but I don't know if it was or not, that you told from beginning to end was Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa. Like how yeah. <laughs> how how did that one come together and how in the world did Tommaso Ciampa become a member of the Undisputed Era? So I knew I wanted to do Cole and Ciampa because I just it, it's two of my favorite guys in NXT history right there like just bar, like hands down. So I knew I wanted to do it and I wanted to milk it for as much as I can. I think they fought what three times. Um. At least twice, probably three. So, like, I I wanted to I wanted to milk it for as much as it was worth. I did not have them fighting on the last stand until maybe month four. Okay, I didn't decide to do that till month four. Okay, um, when I had Champa join, it all started when I was like, man, I haven't used Champa in a while, and I want to do something with him be really interesting to see what would happen if he joined yep. the Undisputed Era. And then we could run it back, reverse the roles of... Because I, I wanted Cole to be a babyface by the end of the season. Um, and so I was like, what if we reverse the roles of having Champa be heel, Cole be face? How do we get to that point? Mm -hmm. um, so that was like... <clears throat> that wasn't from the beginning, but like as the story was happening... I was just loving. There's so much that you can do with those two guys. There's so much yep. history with those two guys that I just knew I wanted to keep going. Um, plus, you never know what you're setting up down the line yep. in the future as well. So that's why, like, I was having Champa throw shots at Johnny still and, like, having him throw shots at, at other people still. And Adam Cole was throwing some shots at um, 
Roddy and yep. at uh, Kyle O'Reilly because who knows what's going to happen down the line with them. So exactly. it wasn't one that I had planned for a while, but once I figured it out, I knew I had to have because like for the longest time I was scratching my head. I knew I wanted Adam Cole on the on the final show. I just had no idea what to do for him. And then yeah. I was like, well, let's just keep running with, with <laughs> Tommaso Chamber. We'll just up the stakes every, every single time. And so I, I just kind of ran with it. And Tyler, sometimes the best stories are the ones you just stumble into and you just, yeah. you know, take it where you feel like it's going and it ends up like that. Uh, you do. I mean, sometimes you're just fortunate, but I, I like to uh, your all's point that Roman was kept strong, that the championship title pitcher on, on both shows were, were credible. I mean, you wanted to to invest in them. And I'll, I'll tell you, and as I love all the storylines, but the way you guys were presenting the women's division was compelling mm. as well. I, I really like how Andy had Rhea Ripley taken on Bailey and, and a lot of these kind of matches that we, we've kind of seen tease in reality. And, and with Chris, with Candice LeRae, Alexa Bliss, and, and kind of the culmination of those stories. And, I mean, you're pretty much answering a lot of the questions I wanted to ask, and it's good. I mean, I would rather it be that way. That way it helps me think of something else or remind me. I'm even looking at notes like they're, they're already kind of going into the stories that I wanted to discuss, so it's all working out just cool. It's almost like I'm booking – you help book my moderation. With you. So there you go. That works out. But, I mean, even going back to the pay-per-views, I'm with you. I'm with Chris about L.A. Night for Andy. I, I loved how – you know, we got Owens, we got the whole McMahon, you know, Vince, everybody, you know, is critical, or at least most people. So why not make him more of the villain like Mr. McMahon and the Attitude Era? And and to see that, I'm kind of fast-forwarding to where Paul Heyman, that strategy that you had where the bloodline turned on McMahon was genius. I, can, yeah, I can, can, we, can we get into that before we move on? <laughs> Andy, talk about, because this is what you referenced last week yeah. on, uh, at the last stand. How did Vince McMahon get inserted into your story and then the major twist at the yeah. end of So Hayden. our whole goal for season two was to push ourselves even more so, which means like taking risk and doing things that I, I never thought I would do. So the fact that Vince McMahon showed up on my show before he showed up on your show, yep. I would have never guessed, <laughs> never guessed in a million years that I would be the one to bring Vince in first. But because we had talked about this, like before yep. we, yeah, we did. We we knew the Shield Triple Threat was going to happen. We didn't come up with this idea right. until partway into season two, I think. Yeah, I don't remember exactly where this where the idea happened uh, for control of mayhem. Because I don't think Vince had come into play yet until we decided this. Right, and you know, but I think this may have may have ended up being. I don't remember. I feel like it was. I feel like it was before the season, though, because we knew that Triple H was getting a representative, and that's how we yeah, were getting that's Rollins. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, Here's for, what it was. We talked about it mm -hmm. beforehand, and I was trying to figure out who the other person was going to be, and the two people thrown around were Vince and Shane. Oh, that's right. Yes, we were thrown around between those two, and I was like, "Man, it's I." Vince needs to be it because it's just Vince is the complete opposite of what yep. mayhem is. Yep. He's just the complete opposite. So having somebody like that going back to the attitude era of Mr. McMahon days. Yep. And then it was like, well, who could I center around Mr. McMahon? And like, 
honestly, going into it, my big feud between Vince or with Vince was going to be Vince and Jericho, which still happens it to did. an extent. But that's, that became more of a backseat to a lot of the other stuff that happened. Um, because from like from once LA Knight started to get traction, like month two, I was like, I want to do, I want to do LA Knight versus Jericho. And from the beginning, I knew Jericho was going to lose to LA Knight and like in Jericho's career with right. LA Knight because that's a massive rub to give to to LA Knight. Right. And so I was like, who could I put around Vince that would make sense that would work? And I was like, well, LA Knight's an obvious choice, a big choice. And then I was like. There's some, there's a lot of history of Kevin Owens against Vince, but also like aligning himself with Vince at the sure. same time. So that that would be really interesting. Bring that whole Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho thing back. Um, Austin Theory was easy. Austin Theory was an easy choice. And then as we started to go down, I was like, what if MJF came in and was just the Vince guy? Because we hear him talk about it all the time on right. TV and and interviews and stuff. And it would just work really well to have MJF come in and be like Vince McMahon's guy. Right. And so that was like my go-to then was like once the ball started rolling, it just took a mind of its own kind of and just became its own thing. Because but I really enjoyed it. I, well, I feel like whenever you and I had that conversation about Vince, because I remember it was it was downstairs at the island in my kitchen we were talking about yeah. it, and I remember when Vince was brought. You were very hesitant about about bringing Vince in, and I told you, I was like, just think about it. Yeah, like because if, especially, full disclosure, we knew before season two started that Roman Reigns was winning the triple threat match. Yeah, we knew that. We knew was how happening. the finish was going to happen too. We, we, we yeah. it was the stack them. We knew what was happening. It was just a matter of getting there, but it was like. Who is the sleaziest <laughs> to put with Roman Reigns to make that the worst ending possible? Yep. And then I had no idea until later yep. that you had decided to do the Paul well, Heyman thing. Because when you think about like who would do a sleazy dirtbag move, Vince is the obvious choice. But Paul, but Heyman. Paul Heyman behind the scenes doing yep. it is just it. It's just who Paul Heyman is. Yep. So I was. I think honestly, like after we had that conversation on my drive home, I was just, I was running through ideas and I was like, my, the, how it all started was like, who do I want to be the GM for season three? Yes. Like, because that determines a lot of how season this two goes. ends. Yep. So I was like, and I know I want Roman to win. So how do I, what do I want to happen? I was like, man, Paul Heyman with ECW mayhem is very much like a modern day ECW in a lot of ways. <laughs> if you think about it, if you look at it and I was like, and like he, he's done a lot of GM work and I just, I, I love Paul Heyman to death. So how could I, what if Paul Heyman, like Roman wins and Vince thinks he's in charge and then all the wheels just start crumbling down. We kind of get the same moment of when like Paul cut that, that nasty promo on Vince before they went into uh what pay-per-view was that? Um, it's about invasion. Yeah, yeah before yeah. they went into invasion, that like off like that shoot promo that Paul Heyman just. Oh, are you talking about ECW One Night Stand when he kicked off that show? No, no, no. It was on Raw. He, oh, okay. They were face to face, and Vince just told him to go out there and say what he was thinking. And then Paul oh. was like, "I'm <laughs> okay." So like, I was like, I was thinking of like moments like that. Sure. Roman turning like it was just it became full circle because in my mind too, there's a lot of of like. Yeah, I can play into Roman aligning himself with Vince because Vince was always the guy that believed in Roman yep. and pushed Roman and all this other stuff. <clears throat> but then on the flip side, 
Like, that almost destroyed Roman's career at the same time. So who's to blame for that? Well, kind of Vince McMahon as well. So, like, it it just full circle. And so I knew I wanted Paul to to take over after that. Tyler, if that discussion doesn't get you fired up for season three, (laughs) man, I don't know what will. I mean, my goodness. I I think you need to go uh, get yourself a doctor's appointment and check your pulse. I mean, uh, what, what these guys are presenting is so fascinating. And Andy hit it right up, you know, he had a great point because Paul Heyman, think of who could actually outwit uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, That would be Mr. Heyman and the way he's uh, involved with the bloodline in reality. That's what's amazing to me. And I was going to ask you gentlemen, this is your storylines kind of came to fruition and we're kind of seeing a lot of it (laughs) transpire on TV. I mean, think of Sting and Edge, you know, except they're going to be allies. That's what what is uh, Seth and Drew coming up at Crown Jewel. Seth and AJ, I had that booked before it happened. Yeah, Yeah. there's been quite a few moments of like, well, I remember from season one with uh, uh, Revision. Yep. And I had Seth, FTR, and Wardlow. And then, like, a month later, Wardlow and FTR were on TV together doing a bunch of stuff. And it was like, somebody's listening Wardlow to and Joe. Wardlow and Joe. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot of things happening that I don't know if, like, I, I don't know if anybody's listening or not, but, hey, I, we'll send the check in the mail. Um, <laughs> but also, like, I don't know if, like, we just see this stuff heading this way on TV. And we're like, man, that's yep. a great idea. Like, yep. let's just, subconsciously, like, let's just run with this and see what happens yep. and put our own twist on it. I was going to ask if there's a pipeline to WWE or AEW. Maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe they are listening. You, you if, got a point. Tyler, if there was a pipeline for WWE and AEW, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Let me no, tell, no, let me just no, tell you no, that. No, about being no, no. in a fantasy land. That, that's me. I'll take the blame on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. That would be great. Hey, I'd be right there with you. But the, the flip side of that, obviously – as much good stuff, was there a, a least favorite storyline? I have to play kind of the devil's advocate here. Uh, yeah, for me, and in retrospect, it kind of, I, I, it's, it's a weird spot. But I had, I purposefully put Bray Wyatt on the back seat for season two mm-hmm. to set up a massive run going into season three. Mm. Like a huge run that he was going to go on. Yeah. Um, which... Still is going to happen just with some, obviously, some different people now. Sure. But he was one of the ones that, like, going back and listening to some of it, I was like, man, there was just, there wasn't, outside of, like, the final show with, like, the stare down between Sting and Taker in that moment, and maybe his feud with Cena, outside of that, I was like, I didn't do a whole lot with Bray this year. Right. It was more, you, you used Bray as a vehicle for Braun Strowman and for yes. Julia Hart and for Karrion Vincent Cross. and Karrion Cross yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, like the one of my favorite matches that I booked this year was the Anarchy in the Arena mm-hmm. match between the Fireflies and the Judgment Day. Right. Um, which then led to Rhea Ripley versus Karrion Cross happening, which was a lot which was a main fun. event on TV, which I never thought would I would I would do. It was a lot of fun, but like that was my favorite Bray moment was booking that because right. it was just it it fit the character. But everything else, everything else outside of that, I was just like, I have this massive idea of what I want to do in season three with him. So like season two, if I make him less visible when all this stuff happens in season three, it's going to make a a bigger impact. So that's probably one of the ones. And then 
my tag division was horrible this year. Mm. <laughs> Just that my season two tag division was very difficult to Who's book. Who were the champ the whole season? Roman was the champ the whole season. Like well, I, I knew, yes. I, I knew, but I, I knew I wanted to make the bloodline champions the entire season because I wanted to make them as dominant as possible. But I started to run out of tag teams. <laughs> like I started yeah. to run out of tag teams because I just I didn't want to waste picking up spots because I knew they were just going to do Get nothing beat. at some point. That's what happened with me with Bobby Lashley earlier on in the season. Yeah. You were so shocked when I debuted him, but you were even more shocked when I dropped him. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Feed him to Rollins? Yeah. Like, I just don't. I don't have anything. Yeah. So and I'm with you. So my tag division was probably the most the, the most disappointing. I I thing i had done this year uh was season two i have two as well um and one story it played out exactly how i thought it would but i'm i'm upset at how that it happened if that makes sense or that i didn't get the point across enough and that was the struggle of cody rhodes all season So adversity. like it was yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. I took the adversity and I wanted to run with it the yeah. whole season. Because if you look, he lost the title at the end of the line yeah. in, in a in a crappy way by Randy Orton. Yeah. Okay. First pay-per-view, he's got a main event. He's gonna come back and face Randy Orton and try to get the title back. One would think he would win. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I absolutely had the plan for him not to win. Yeah. I had the plan for Cody Rhodes to go all the way to the last stand redeem himself to get a shot at the title but still not win and i wanted i felt like i could have done some more promos or something i tried to allude to it throughout the season in different things like for example battle bowl he technically didn't win battle bowl on his own he had help yeah you know he didn't win the intercontinental title on his own he had help yeah all of these things but I guess I, I just don't feel like, and maybe you guys will disagree, I just don't feel like I conveyed it enough that he was on this funk the whole season that he sort of limped along, you I, know? I got the impression early on about that because, like, there was a point in time where I, I, I remember vividly listening. I think it was a promo backstage between Cody and Sean uh, after either after he won the IC title or after he lost it, one of the two. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, is he turning Cody heel? Like, or is like Cody's like in a tweener spot. Yeah. Um, which I think is like, it's great because I think that's, that's a great adversity and maybe something that we explore a little bit more in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, like I think there was a point where Cody, and this happens with a lot of, I mean, this happened with Jericho on my show, Bray Wyatt, a couple other people. Sometimes people just take a back seat to other stories. Sure. And I think that, that probably was, I thought Cody was booked extremely well the entire the yeah. entire time but he wasn't the focal point sure. of a lot of it which yeah it, it happened yeah i thought it was it was booked well it just wasn't executed well if that makes sense yeah that makes the, sense. the other one i feel like and, and this will probably surprise you as well i feel like i fell short in booking johnny gargano and the reason that i say that is because from jump yeah. of season two, I had Johnny Gargano versus Shawn Michaels at the last stand. It was happening. I was not deviating from it. And the point was to prove Johnny wrestling all season long. Right. And, I've I, again, I got there, and I always want to do the Brian thing, and I want to do the Omega thing. Yeah. But I just feel like, I don't know, it's like Cody. Like, I feel like I could have done more to push the point of Johnny trying to prove himself. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I think with Johnny, I mean, 
it's hard to say you didn't use Johnny well when we see how he's used on TV now. So like, and well, that, that retrospect was like, you mean, you, I thought you used Johnny well all season, but right. based on what we get on TV, him showing up is good enough for me. Right. Exactly. Um, but I, I think like looking back on it, what's weird, like not weird, but oddly enough is when Cody's kind of fell to the back is when Johnny kind of <laughs> yep. came to the forefront more. So I, I think you just, you, I think it was one of those where you had to pick your poison yep. for both of them. And I, honestly, I thought it worked out really, really well yep. for both guys. I, I mean, it's hard to say you didn't book Johnny well when he ended the season facing Shawn Michaels. <laughs> so, right. so that, that's, that's, yeah, I, I thought, I thought he did fantastic. The, the ending for both of them was what I wanted Tyler, but I just the felt journey. like the, the journey of yeah. getting there, especially Johnny's like first three months, you know, I, I, I don't know. Could have, yeah. could have been better. Well, let me say this. It, it was very compelling. I, I can understand being critical. I, I think we're all a little critical of ourselves, even if it's a good story. But, I mean, the way you both laid it out, I mean, fooled me. It, it convinced me because I've never had to do this fantasy booking. So, I mean, like Andy said, at least Gargano's on, on your shows. I mean, that, that's true. <laughs> I, you know, you can c- compare the uh, the real uh, product uh, with what you're doing. At least you're involving these characters. And I kind of liked that Cody was uh, – uh, yeah, in that tweener role, and, and regardless, it was like like you said, you kept our interests engaged. I, I'm listening to these gentlemen, like uh, the listeners out there, so it, it's very uh, good stuff. And and I was just going to ask Andy, and we'll move on. Uh, you know, you got Vince McMahon involved. Are you sure he's not over your tag team division? <laughs> well, honestly, honestly, at some point down the line, I was like, Vince being in charge of this and tag team wrestling, because remember when I introduced the trios titles, he was the one that introduced them. And I vividly remember putting in there like, management made me do this. I hate tag team wrestling, but we're introducing, right. we're introducing. So like, it made sense for me. And that's what also made it hard was like having a tag titles and a trios titles. Your tag teams were also like involved in your trios teams at the same time. So it, it made it more complex, but subconsciously, I think the reason why my tag division sucked so bad was because of Vince. I'm just going to blame. I'll put the blame on Vince for that one. <laughs> Might as well uh, place the blame on Mr. McMahon. But I mean, you guys are discussing storylines. You're, you're responding to a lot of the questions I have, but uh, speaking of the booking process, and once again, you elaborated on it previously on this program. I mean, you work backwards a lot of the times, but how far, you know, advancing did you do uh, going back to the last stand pay-per-view? I mean, how much of it got planned out and, you know, booking ahead of time is what I'm getting at. With the well, like, like we alluded to earlier, the main event was booked before season two ever started. Yeah, The main event was booked in season one or else we wouldn't have made the trade. Well, we talked about trying to make the shield triple threat happen in season one and then and we couldn't find a good spot right. for it. So and we, we were said, like, let's just do it. We, I remember we both like, that's the main event of season two is yep. the shield triple threat. Let's just, we'll figure out how we get there. And then I, like I said, I had Cody and AJ from jump booked for the last thing. I yep. had Gargano and HBK and I had edge and sting doing something. Yeah. Obviously because that was the culmination of that. Um, but, but, you know, I try to go back and I made a conscious effort to put more emphasis on the last show, knowing ahead of time where I was going to go and work backwards. And I'm still going to do that in season three. I need to, yeah. you know, make sure that I have that. But um, 
for me, it's just so much easier to plan out the matches month to month and work backwards. I I always plan my pay per view first, match card wise, and then book <laughs> book from there. Yep, like book to it instead of like from the beginning book some stuff and then figure out where where rivalries and stuff are happening. So right. I, I normally do that. For me, like outside of the Shield Triple Threat. I knew I wanted Jericho. <laughs> this is going to sound horrible. I knew I wanted Jericho's career to end at the final stand, at the last stand. Like I knew that that's what I wanted was yep. was that to happen. And I was between Kevin Owens again or an LA Knight, and then the LA Knight thing happened and, and took off. You did so Kevin that, Owens in season one. I did, yeah. So I was like, that'd be full circle, bring it back around. Um, but I think it worked out better with LA Knight outside of those two. I don't. Uh, I had. I knew I wanted to do Punk and Austin at some point. Yep. I didn't know when, and it worked out to do that at the last stand. Outside of that, though, like I knew I wanted because I drafted, I picked up Rock and I picked up Austin, and I knew from the get go I wanted Roman to face both of those. Yep. I just couldn't figure out the story until towards the end. <laughs> there was a point in time at the final stand, at the last stand. I don't know why I keep calling it the final stand. The last stand. Um, where we almost would have gotten Rock versus Austin one more time. Mm, that's fun. And I was like, I can't pull the trigger on it. Like that's too big of a <laughs> that's too big of a of a thing to happen. So like, right. There's a couple matches I book around the entire like the entire season, but like month to month, I'm like, here's my match list. Here's my match card. Now we book to see how we get there. Right. Exactly. Yeah, quit playing games with my heart with all the Rock and Austin <laughs> stuff. Uh, quote the Backstreet Boys, nevermore like Raven. There you oh, go. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, all right, so we we talked about guys that we use. We talked about storylines and stuff like that. So we all we have to ask the flip side, and Tyler, I'm hijacking you. I'm sorry. We have to ask the flip side of who did you – not use that you thought you would or who like you said bray obviously yeah. already but who was a guy that like or a team or whatever that you said oh i'm gonna use them this season it just didn't happen probably honestly walter okay like i didn't use i didn't use walter as much as i man i if, anticipated man, I, would. I, I i'm not trying to hijack season three if this is your plan i'm sorry but the one episode where Regal asked him to be his representative, <laughs> like you put those two together. Yeah. Oh my gosh, please. <laughs> yeah, I like I did a lot of teasing stuff with 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 Walter, but I just I I couldn't find anything concrete for him. Yeah. But there was no way I was gonna let him go <laughs> at the same time too. Sure. So so I was, I just was gonna hold on to him until something happened. Um he was probably one that I, I, you know, didn't use as well. And oddly enough, like it's it's weird to say this. Moxley was another one that I like. I'm not extremely pleased with how I used Moxley. I got you. And it's weird to say that because he like fought Roman three times and you know was in a War Games match and yep. and did a whole bunch of other stuff. But I just I feel like I feel like when. Seth was there. There's such a dynamic between Seth and Mox that you just always had. Both guys yep. could be a top face. With Roman, it's hard to have other massive stars yep. with Roman around. <laughs> and and I have figured that out. And that's a peek behind the curtain to the real product on TV. Yeah. Like, as, as frustrating yeah. as it can be, 
Like, it's difficult. When, when Roman shows up, like, SmackDown this past week when he was on TV, or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago when he was on TV. Like, outside, honestly, outside of Cena and probably LA Knight, because LA Knight's pop was still stupid big. Right. Like, the show just feels different yep. when Roman is there and when Roman's not. Yep. And that's the case, like, even here. Like, yep. I found myself... Which, like, 2018 Andy would be punching me in the face right now for saying this. Yes, he would. Because um, you've seen me vividly angry at Roman Reigns before. SummerSlam 2018 oh, at my house. I remember so, it. I was so mad. Um, <laughs> I want to see the video. But, but, like, I found myself booking everything around Roman and the oh. bloodline. Mm-hmm. And season three, I've already started to figure out, like, yeah, I'm booking most stuff around Roman in the bloodline yep. once again. Um, like you with being disappointed with Mox, I'm disappointed with how I used AJ. Like I knew he was going to be the champ at the very end of the whole thing. But yeah. again, getting there, yeah. having him not be the focus of the whole thing, because I didn't want to make him the main event of every show when he wasn't a champion and to make it obvious that that's where I was going. Right, right. But at the same time, like feuding with Samoa Joe or, you know, whatever, it, it was what it was. My biggest one that I didn't use enough was the revival. Yeah, I was. I was so excited to get them. Yeah. in that trade, and it just didn't happen. Tag teams are hard to book, man. <laughs> I tell you what, though, Tyler, those despicable champions that both Andy and I had. Andy had Mandy Rose. I did. I had the major players. I did, like yeah. when those when those things get in the way, yeah. and you just run with it, and it makes sense. Yeah. You just can't help it. See, we talked about a few minutes ago, like, something we had planned from the beginning. I knew I wanted Mandy to be champion at some point. Right. Just because, the, for the same reason Vince got in power, it's just not a mayhem thing. Right. And it's very interesting when stuff like that happens. Now, I also knew I was probably going to have somebody like Rhea Ripley just kill her <laughs> for, the, for the title. Yep. But, like, that month of, like, when she beat, I think she beat Becky for it, didn't she? She did beat Becky for it. Like, just, like... What are you doing? Moment is like, yeah, I wanted, like, I wanted that moment. So when Rhea beats the crap out of her, Rhea now is like top star. But again, yeah. Tyler, her, yeah. Again, like same thing with the major players. You had yeah. week twenty four major players versus the revival. Yeah, you know, like we're we're doing it. Everybody expects the revival to win the titles. <clears throat> And then the WrestleMania 35 finish happens, and <laughs> the major players come out on top. And now I've got both sets of tag titles on my on my show. You do, which they, is, they again, do. another interesting dynamic for Season 3. The Usos are the undisputed the tag team they champions. Are. That they are. Yeah, the Usos. But like Andy was saying, how could you not build your brand around Roman Reigns and and the same for Chris around, uh, you know, Randy Orton and having Cody, all all these wrestlers. And I was going to tell I've got a bone of contention to pick with Andy. How could you you destroy Mandy Rose like that? You (laughs) broke my heart. It's not even Valentine's Day. It's not even in my dreams. But how could you do it? I was just going to have a little bit of fun with you. I I, I, I love you, but that that hurt me. I gave her I gave her a title run. I gave her I gave her a run with the title. That's the most I could. That's more than I would have done. That's the most I could (laughs) offer her. I mean, honestly, there for a while I had like a whole plan of like bringing in toxic attraction and making them like. The women's division, like, she just run it rough shot. Sure. Like, just, like, winning by DQ, all this other stuff, like, taking the cheap way out. And then, finally, towards the end, somebody like Aria or somebody coming in. 
But then I was like, but there's so many other stories we can tell yep. that I just, I wanted to get to before that. No, it makes perfect sense. I'm just giving Andy down the road because, uh, you know, I've, I've got to make, well, that's for another podcast. But anyways, uh, we'll, we'll continue. Uh, no, I just wanted to give him a hard time, but I understand Rhea Ripley, Ripley part of me. I mean, look at mommy, the way she's uh, done on, on TV and, yeah. and you bucked her so well, Andy, but yeah. Hey, speaking of that, or, are we getting to the favorite portion that Andy enjoys, Chris? Is I think it, is we are. I think yeah, it's time I mean, to address it. Yeah, the the lethal lottery. I mean, first of all, first off, there's one thing that you certainly couldn't have predicted how it would turn out was this new twist this season. I, I've already gave it away. But the, after month three, it's the lethal lottery. Let's talk about that a little more and how you had to pivot. I mean, how you had to figure out the results. I mean, Andy, I, I know you can't wait. I, I can tell. Well, for those of you who missed the Lethal Lottery, we had a wheel, we had wrestlers, we had stipulations, we spun uh, yeah. it, and then whatever it landed on, you just had to deal with. Right. Andy got the short end of the stick. The first spin. Well, hang on, hang on. Before we before we even get to that, okay. before okay. we even get to that, okay. I completely forgot completely forgot that we had to have at least one champion on there. Oh, yeah. That's the twist. And I was looking through my roster. I was like, well, I can't have the Usos because, like, they're tag titles and there's the bloodline. I'm not putting Roman Reigns anywhere <laughs> near this list. Because, especially because one of the options was, was force trade. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not letting that happen. And, like, my, I, forget who the U, I forget who the U.S. champion was. I wasn't about to put on there. The trio's titles were with it the was, Elite. It was Adam Cole. Yeah, I wasn't putting Cole on there. The trio's titles with the Elite, I was not putting the Elite on there. So yep. it came down to the women's division. Yep. And I literally just got Britt from the trade with Becky. And I was like, yeah, she's going to win. And then like we got to the we got to the day of recording. And you're like, do you have your Lethal Lottery people? I was like, yeah. Oh, crap. Got to put Britt on there. Go ahead. So Britt gets on there. And Britt first gets... Pick. First First spin, Britt gets injured. And Britt's out for I two months. Like, the tamest thing that could have happened. That's true. That's a good point. At least you didn't have to trade her. Um, so that happens. And then we have a forced trade Wardlow from the new day, like yeah, you mentioned earlier. But so what I'm interested in is talk me through, like you, you, you gave us the pre, yeah. Oh crap. I forgot. So we're recording. The spin comes up. Brick gets injured. You're down a big part of your women's division yeah. and you don't have a champion. Yeah. Talk me through just how all that worked, especially on the fly. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> so when that happened, like, as soon as it happened, I was just running ideas to my head of, like, I could put the title back on Rhea, and we could keep rolling like that, but I was like, I, I want to do something a little different. I want to do something unique, and I was thinking, like, when Britt comes back, because it was going to be, she was going to come back right before the final pay-per-view. Yes. I was like, so what's a match that we haven't seen that we may never see? Oscar versus Britt. Makes total sense. Makes perfect sense. So that made me like pivot. I put the title on Oscar without any plan on how we were going to get to the the last pay-per-view with Britt. And then I was like, well, I haven't drafted Athena. Nobody's used Athena yet. And there's that history of Oscar and Ember Moon and NXT. So we're yep. going to run with that. Who's the next one? Kyrie Sane, because you already had EO. I was going to pick EO, but you already picked up EO at that point. That's correct. So I was like, so Kyrie Sane's a, a great pick. And then in this, and, and in the same episode, when we were doing drops, I dropped Raquel Rodriguez. Right. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. picked and her I up. I picked too. up Raquel. So like, I, there was just like, a, there was a few things that happened after it all went to crap. 
there were a few things that happened that like bailed me out a little bit, but it made me like, it made me have to rethink some things and be a little more creative. So I like, honestly, the first like three months of the women's division was fine. I enjoyed booking it. The last three months I really enjoyed. Um, and that was part of it is like, I made sure to keep Oscar not necessarily on TV the entire time so that right. when Britt comes back, her gripe, one of her gripes is like, listen, as soon as I got off TV, the women's division, what happened to it? Like, yeah. like that whole thing kind of happening. Yep. So that was kind of the plan after it happened, but it was a scramble there for a while. And peek behind the curtain as since we're doing that. And as we get ready to, you know, wrap up season two and preview season three, Tyler doesn't even know this. Andy yeah. has embraced the lethal I lottery have. so much, Tyler. Just for the small chance that it screws you over. <laughs> so Andy has embraced the lethal lottery so much that we're not only going to have one lethal lottery in season three, but we are going to have two lethal lotteries in season three. There's your little preview. I, I can't believe it. So Andy's embracing the idea of the lethal lottery. I did not bring up wanting to do two lethal lotteries. We're always going to do one. And Andy yeah. is the one that said, what if we do two? Yeah. And well, my other idea, Chris quickly shot down was like, oh, yeah. for sure. I was oh. like, yeah. And like the will will have all champions on it. Like, no. let's just, let's just, if we're going to do it, let's just do it no. the right way. No, 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 Go no, wild. No, no. Um, we've thrown around some ideas of possibly like, we get to pick one person from like, I get to pick one person from Chris's roster and they get to, they have to go on the will can't be a champion or anything like that, right. but just somebody. Um, so we haven't we, worked out all the, we details haven't worked yet. out all the details yet, but you know what? If it, if, if we're going to get to it, by the time we get to like season 10, it's going to be a lethal lottery after every <laughs> weekly show. So I'm ready for it. Just goes to show you, maybe things are growing on Andy as far as new ideas. And that's, <laughs> Hey, that's what I was going to go back to, though. You, you talked about what you had to drop, you know, certain champions. I mean, that also, you know, how much did that that affect what you could do? I mean, I know you guys probably already answered this, but I, I wanted to throw that question just real quickly. I mean, how did that affect you guys concerning your creative? Well, I think it changed month three quite a bit yep. of like, and I didn't think this through <laughs> as well as I should have of like, I could have put the title on somebody like Mandy Rose then, yep. and then like whatever happens happens, and I can I can pivot and move on from there. But uh, I, it, it changes the way you book for yep. sure. Yeah, that's the only reason that Charlotte was my Evolution champion, and th and thank thank goodness that I created a second women's champion for season two, and Charlotte was that champion, so that was an easy pick for me because yep. I can easily pivot from Charlotte. It's fine. Uh, that's an easy gripe for her. If something were to happen, she can come back and complain and blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> and then there were a couple people on the lethal lottery. I know you were this way too, that we put on there hoping that they would get picked <laughs> yeah. because yeah, it yeah. would further a storyline. Yeah. But then Tyler, to answer your question, like knowing in your head, okay, I'm going to have this many spots. I've got to pick up this many people. Yeah. Um, and it just, I don't know. It's it, I find it really interesting, Andy, that neither of us really had an issue with drops and pickups this year as mm. far as the way we were thinking. We overlapped several times in season one. Yeah. Season two, you had your plan, I had yeah. my plan, and it all worked out. Yeah, I think you know, I did I didn't even think about this, but like we using the lethal lottery as part of the story. 
yeah. helped a lot because like Keith Lee was um my other like so I think it landed on you with New Day and then there was force trade for for Wardlow, Wardlow. but my my other spin was Keith Lee yep. and he was injured for two months I got injured both of them but like I played it in because he just fought solo yep so like he was out of action now solo looks like this killer and when he comes back now for not for the for the pay per view but for the last episode now we've got a big match between solo and Keith Lee that yep. we can run as a blow off all this other stuff so it. While it's nerve wracking in theory, and you know when it doesn't go your way, it can really mess with a lot of stuff. Yep. It can also help out quite a bit as well. And, and that's the point that we've been making this whole episode, Tyler. Is season two was all about expanding our creativity and forcing us to do something different. And that's exactly what the Lethal Lottery did. So much so that we're instituting it twice yep. in season three. And again. If nothing more than just see what happens, <laughs> you know, let's just, let's, I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. Just try it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I was going to tell Scott Demore, you're welcome. Now that TNA is coming back, hey, the lethal lottery, these guys were already honoring th- that with the lethal lottery. That's right. They're going to get it twice <laughs> in season three. That's right. That's exactly right. The, the check's not only in the mail, it's in your bank account. You're welcome. <laughs> One can only hope, right? Yeah. All right. You know, yeah, I, th- Tyler, I think it covers it. Yeah, I think so too, man. So, uh, you guys have teased it. I mean, do you want to give us a little more preview in regards to season three? And, and what do you think you want to improve upon uh, from season two as we're coming to a close? Oh, man. Um, I think for me, improving season three uh, just needs to be more about knowing if I'm going – a specific direction for the final pay-per-view like i need to book those people better on the front end yeah you know i like like i you have these stories of exactly how you want to get to the last pay-per-view but you've got three four months before that that you still have to fill anyway and you don't necessarily want to keep these people off tv yeah so i think just trying to find a way and i like andy what you have done in this season where you sort of split it up into two seasons mm-hmm. and made month three a big deal. And then that gave you just really a jumping off point for the rest of the season. So I'll probably try that and see if that helps yeah. in getting those guys booked. Yeah, that was like, that was, I'm probably going to do that in season three too. Cause it was, it, to me, it was like, see, month three was like my SummerSlam. Yeah. Month six is my WrestleMania. Yep. So like, SummerSlam is a really big deal. It's not as big of a deal as WrestleMania, but it's still second biggest show of the year, blah, blah, whatever. Right. So, like, Rock Roman happening in month three. Pretty big pretty big sure. deal. So, yep. yeah, I wanted to buy I, – I made it easier to book it into three-month periods instead of – you keep all six months together and in your mind. Yep. But you take it three months at a time instead yep. of trying to do it all at once. I think for me going into to season three, oddly enough, planning better. Mm. Like, yeah. I feel like I've done an okay job planning, like the big stuff, but yep. like planning everything out. Yeah. The women's division, the tag division, the main people I want to use, yep. uh, the stories I want to tell, all this other stuff. And then finding ways on the weekly shows to use maybe people that aren't as big of a deal. That's a good point. That's a great point. But to use them weekly to be like, they're consistent at least on the weekly shows. To where like, even in season, if I'm not thinking of season four, but like using it to project into season four, someone who, you know, 
isn't necessarily as big of a deal now by the end of season three could be big enough to make an impact in season four at the same time. Yep, for sure. Especially that's that long-term storytelling that, that we both like to do. Um, and if you're looking at season three, not season four yet, <laughs> but if you're looking at season three, like we talked about on the last stand, if you enjoyed what happened in month six of season two, you're probably going to see a whole lot more of that in season three. Yep. Uh, we have some tentative plans on how that's actually going to work. For those of you who do not like when uh, WWE does their draft and they don't hold to their rosters, um, fasten your seatbelt because they're could be some uh, wild card rule is coming into effect. We might have some sort of wild card rule or something going on just because again, like that's something that it's something we haven't done. It's a way to keep everybody on their toes. It's a way to just see what happens. And at the same time, like you've heard Andy and I talk a whole lot about how we work together on some things and we talk about some things, but at the end of the day, we're still working on our own and we're still trying to, you know, surprise the other person or, you know, compete against the other person or whatever. It's just going to be a matter of, I think, working together more in season three and invading and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's as much about us just trying to consciously work together. It's just a natural progression from where season two ended. Yeah. You know, how season two wrapped up. Okay, how do we keep that narrative Mm -hmm. and push it forward? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, I think it's – putting us in a not a difficult spot but a more challenging spot to be more creative because we don't necessarily always know what our shows are going to look like yeah. <laughs> from from month to month so mm-hmm. that could that could play a really really big impact on some of the stuff that we we book and how we how we go about yeah you're discussing getting out getting out of that comfort zone and uh Gentlemen, anything else to insert? Because uh, this concludes in the season two recap, but I, I want to allow you the floor. You know, there was one thing that I wrote down in my notes here that I forgot to bring up earlier that I really, I, I've seen this pattern over the last two seasons. And Andy, I just, I have to figure out why neither of us can book long-term for Brian Danielson. We discussed it at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. And we're at season two, and he showed up twice for me in season two. Like, why can neither of us figure out what to do with him? All I'll say. I'm not asking you to spoil season three. No, all, you- I, all, all I'll say <laughs> is maybe we've been holding him back for the first two seasons because he's going to have a special run in season three. Okay, okay, okay. But, like... But I, I it's weird that we both... Both had him. of us both had him. We can't do it. And like I think I had him for like two months. And I was like, yeah, you can have Danielson. <laughs> I think yeah. it was the AJ trade. Was Danielson it was. for AJ? It was. So I was like, yeah, you, you can you can have him. Um, I was I, like, yes, I'm getting Brian, and I used him twice in season one and twice in season two. I don't. I've learned that, and this isn't anything against like the character Brian Danielson because I love the character Brian Danielson. But maybe it's one of those that only he can book himself as good as he <laughs> as he actually is. It's a good point. Guys who are really good wrestlers mm-hmm. are hard to book in this way because yes. we are we are verbally saying what they're doing. Yes. Whereas characters like LA Knight, it's easy. It's easy because you're able to you're able to do what that character does on TV yep. outside of actually wrestling. Yep. Um that's why I always find like Bray and Malachi to be somewhat easier because 
I'm not necessarily focused on the in ring as much as I am the the details and, yep. and verbally saying stuff. So maybe that's part of it. Yep. Um, or just uh, maybe we just haven't figured them out yet. <laughs> right. Well, that's true too. And Tyler, that that's a great point about the challenges that we face in, in doing this and some of the struggles that we that we you know have with doing the show. It's a fantastic point because uh, how Andy worded it, I mean, Brian Danielson would be very complicated. I mean, not only is he one of the the best wrestlers, you know, technically speaking. So I could see compared to a character like you guys were discussing, I'm just in agreement. It would be very difficult. So that's another tremendous point. And I love how you guys have explained and and gave us that sneak peek behind the curtain. (laughs) As long as it's not the curtain call, let's not repeat that. No, I have, I have, I have one thing I did not bring up okay. about your show that I really enjoyed this season. Okay. I need more Road Dog and Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Specifically Road Dog. I need Road Dog and like don't be afraid to bring Billy Gunn in there as well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I I really enjoyed the dynamic between Triple H and Shawn. It's DX sure and it doing their stupid stuff, but it just it Thinking of 50-year-old men doing this yep. is just hilarious to think about. So yep. I, I'm enjoying it. That's awesome. That's great. Um, and as we look forward to season three, maybe maybe we'll see more of that. But most importantly, for those of you who are listening, by the way, if you were doing that, thank you so much for doing that. Make sure you tell a friend, spread the word, follow us on social media. As you look out for season three, it is coming uh, date probably sometime in January around the Royal Rumble. Uh, follow us on social media for uh, confirmation on that. But you'll also want to be looking out for a new name of the show. Moving forward, this will no longer be the PBWF. Again, uh, we will make sure to uh, convey all of that to you and all that. But we're just sort of reshuffling, retooling, looking at some different things. But it's still going to be your same old fantasy booking show that you love. We're just going to... Dress it up, make it look a little different. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be unique. It's gonna be different, but it's still the same chaos that mayhem yes. is, and the same. We really are. Uh, he mentioned it earlier. Like Warzone really is the WWF yes. in a lot of ways, and mayhem is just ECW <laughs> on top with bigger names. I it think is. so. So yeah, if you're if you dig it, it's just gonna be a different. It's just gonna look a little different, but it's still gonna be the same. We're not selling out, so we're we're still going to be the same. And and that's why we we love it, and uh, that'll do it. It's been the recap for Season 2 from the Warzone and Mayhem brand, and I'm Tyler Peters, your host. Until the next time, we're saying farewell for now. We are saying farewell. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Andy. My name's Chris Belcher. Follow us on social media on the way out. If you haven't done that already, subscribe to the channel. We'd appreciate it. We will catch you guys down the road.